All right, everybody, welcome to the October Leadership Forum. So good to see all these great folks in here. Uh, I'll keep admitting people throughout the process. If you do get kicked out, come back into the waiting room and just know that I'll be watching the whole time. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about group leader dynamics, uh, especially in terms of kind of a codependency versus interdependency versus an independent, I got this kind of a chest thumping mentality. Uh, but we are thrilled to be here. We're going to open up in a quick word of prayer and we will launch into the meat of our, our topic today. So God, thank you so much for this time. Lord, thank you for these people. Um, Lord, thank you for these leaders, folks that are willing to say, um, we will stand for, we will stand in the gap for others. We will work with others uh, throughout their yuck because of what you've done in our life, Lord. Um, leadership is advanced recovery. And so God, thank you so much for bringing us along this path to a point where we get to be on mission with you. We know deep down that, that you don't need us, Lord, um, but you, you let us be here with you and you let us participate in your mission. And so we, we push all of our chips in the middle of the table, God. So in your holy name we pray, amen. Amen. That was beautiful, Lamar. You know, it's crazy when we talk about leadership, Lamar and I um, get to have some great conversations about this. When we talk about what does it look like to meet with y'all and what can we talk about? And we talk about what makes great leaders because essentially that's why we're coming here. We all wanna be better. We wanna improve ourselves. We wanna be able to give the best we possibly can in this ministry that God has called us um, to be in. And we have great curriculum. We have great people teaching the curriculum. And so uh, the content is super important. Being able to, to promote that content and facilitate conversation is super important as a leader. But something that can be missed that is just as important that each one of us is responsible for as leaders is teaching healthy um, relationships. Because, I mean, think about it, whether we're working with men um, who have addiction or couples that are struggling with relationship problems or uh, women that are working on forgiving and their journey of healing, no matter whom we work with, everybody is coming from a place of having broken relationships. And they, there's going to be this struggle of not knowing how to have healthy relationships. And as leaders, us modeling what healthy relationships looks like is paramount. It's one of the best gifts that we can give the participants in our groups. And we can lose sight of this. We think, oh, it's, it's about being organized. It's about making sure we get good discussion time in. And it's about making sure everybody's sober or doing their work. Yes, those are all good and, and noble things, but one of the best things that you can possibly do is, uh, is model what a healthy relationship looks like. Because when you bring sick people together, and we're all sick, let's face it, that's what we're doing. This is recovery. Everybody in our group is sick. You're going to introduce a lot of different unhealthy um, habits that people have and um, just um, uh, ways that people have in being and engaging with other people. Um, you have oftentimes in recovery, you have the men that I've um, gone from a place of, I got this, I'm independent, I got my life together, I can handle this sin, to all of a sudden being in a group where they have to say, I don't have this. And what does that look like? To possibly even going to the opposite end of the spectrum of being codependent. Like, I, I, I can't survive if my wife isn't with me, or I can't survive if someone doesn't tell me what I need to do. Um, the next step I need to take, the next breath I need to take. 
Um, so we see that a lot in groups that there's a struggle, uh, an internal struggle with everybody um, between um, how to engage with other people. So it's that either isolating themselves and saying, I got this and not wanting to be part of the group or the opposite end, becoming codependent and relying too much, um, like a relationship addiction, that's another term for codependency and getting addicted to the relationships and recovery. And Lamar, we were talking about that's, that's something that we ourselves need to be aware of too, right? Absolutely. I mean, whenever I get with other leaders, we always have this interesting conversation that devolves to a point of, can you believe what this person brought to the group? Can you believe what this person said? Can you believe what this person is going through and they can't even see what's going on in their lives? And I often wonder, why am I consistently surprised when folks who aren't keeping Christ at the center of their lives bring in these chaotic situations and say these crazy things that are just born out of the wreckage of, of what's happening in their lives. And, and what is it about that that surprises me every single time about my re reaction? Because it's an initial reaction. It always is. I always kind of bristle whenever somebody says or does something crazy. Um, I'm, I'm trying to still learn how to respond to that and respond in love. And sometimes that love is tough. Sometimes that love is helping to call that person out because nobody else is going to do that. And sometimes that love is sitting there lending an ear, uh, kind of nodding maybe validating and acknowledging what's going on in their lives, not necessarily agreeing with it, but at least saying, I can see where you're coming from and then walking them through some of the truth behind whatever it is they may be having and emotionally going on. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to open up the chat, babe. And just team, what in your experience, I don't care if you've led just for two minutes or four days or um, since 2010, I'm, I want everybody's opinion on this. What when have been some times you've seen um, behaviors in a group that might be codependent, somebody acting codependently or, or too dependently on their own accord. What are some things that you, behaviors you've seen? You know, some things that I've seen Lamar, you know, just some glaring things is when someone isn't willing to share their own feelings. Like they, they, they need validation uh, from the group before they can share their people's feelings. So almost like they need to prove themselves or be approved by everybody. And you'll see that from some group members, especially hurt women. Um, they're scared to have an opinion that's different or they're scared to voice their own feelings because they're almost too scared to get in tune to their own feelings. So they just wanna be told what to do or told what that next step is. What about you, hon? What are some things that, that you have seen that, that are like warning signs that there might be some unhealthy dynamics in the relationships in a group well for, from a leadership perspective whenever you may have an individual who is trying to contact you constantly outside the group bounds kind of outside some, some of what the group is trying to do outside some of the curriculum um you know where you're taking the group you know how you're you're, you're uh, proctoring manners um whenever you see that kind of behavior uh, and maybe that person is not necessarily interested in doing the work themselves. Maybe they're trying to make you that, that, that new pedestal um, as the leader. That, that's a big red flag, I believe, uh, that we need to pay close attention to. That, that person is not becoming codependent on your activity as a leader for their recovery. 
Um, you know, when you care more about someone else's recovery or care more about what they should be doing in their work than they do, um, that, that's a huge red flag. It's probably the, the, the most normalized, um, I guess, deficiency that you might see out of that. But there are, there are tons and tons of other, you know, small subcategories there. Yeah, I love what Joe said. Joe said many of these guys are codependent, which is why they become addicts. They are looking for confirmation and they get that through sexual satisfaction. Um, Joe, you're exactly right. Um, and this goes for women too. Um, they are nurturers. Um, as women, we like to fix, we like to help. Um, and our identity is based on our relationships. And so we want a healthy husband. And so we, but we go to the point where uh, we are unhealthy in the way that we um, it, that we are in that relationship, and it comes across as selfless. Um, some of the most selfless-looking leaders struggle actually with codependency. It's not selflessness; it's uh, helping other people feels good, but it becomes not helping out of where the Holy Spirit is driving you. It's helping out of guilt. It's helping out of. Um, I have to do this. And there's, there's definitely a fine line. There's a difference there. Yeah. And so um, it, it, it can come across as selfless. It can come across as not a big deal, but it actually can be, and it can just destroy the dynamics. I, I think it's really interesting in, in this, um, the, the, the senior teacher in anybody's class, um, the senior therapist in anybody's group session, uh, the, the senior pastor in any church, if it doesn't rhyme with Jesus Christ, and we've got a big problem. Um, whenever we start looking to somebody else or something else for our answers, aside from the finished work of the cross, we always run into problems. If we start looking to another person in that regard, they will crumble under the weight of that. If we start looking to somebody else's curriculum, um, and look, hey, I'm all about great curriculum. We have tremendous curriculum here at Soul Refiner. But when people look to that instead of good godly behaviors and good godly allowance on our part to have him change us from the inside out, then we miss. And, you know, a next right step is, as, um, as I've heard a, a fantastic pastor here recently, he kind of brought forth, he said, listen, does it glorify God and not me? Because too many times we, we wrap a little bit of ourself in something that glorifies God. And maybe we'll focus on that a little bit more than what really glorifies him. Sometimes what glorifies him is talking to some of these folks in our groups and letting them know that, that Christ has this answer for them. We're not going to be able to give them the exact right next step. We're not in their, in their hearts. We're not in their minds. We don't have the whole situation for them. Um, but there is a father who loves his kids so much, and he wants good things for them. And as they pour into Jesus, he kind of makes that manifest to them. He really allows folks to understand what it is that he would have for them for these next steps. And it helps us as leaders to just get out of the way and point them with these great big neon signs back to Christ. Hmm. There's another um, case I see quite a bit, honey, in groups, and it's when you have someone that's in the group and they're concerned about everybody else's recovery as opposed to their own. And it looks, again, noble in and of itself because they're concerned that so-and-so isn't sober, so-and-so you know, needs a mentor, and they're, they're pouring into the other people in the group while neglecting to do their own work. It's, it's a distraction. Um, and uh, you see that, and, and that is a codependency. It's, it's I can't, I'm not going to do the work and look inward and what God needs to reveal in me, I'm going to focus on everybody else's brokenness around me and try to try to fix them. 
And that those are people you have to, um, you know, just be mindful of and to recognize because that may warrant a, con- a sidebar conversation about, hey, you have a great heart and a passion for other people, but before you can help other people, God needs you to help yourself. So let's let's roll up our sleeves and do the work to see what you might be avoiding and looking at in yourself. And th- these are the tough conversations. This is the vulnerability piece we talk about and being good leaders. Um, it, we're not there to be everybody's best friend. And that's hard because it's there's we also have a natural propensity, men and women, to want to please everyone and to want to be liked by everyone. And that might not be the case all the time in leadership. Um, sometimes we have to step back and just say, okay, where are we getting in the way of God? And, and how might we be actually doing more harm than good in our efforts to help people? And, and it's a fine line. It really is a fine line. All right, here, Lamar, we have some comments coming in. Like Troy said, guys who show up to class, but never do the work. Absolutely. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll see a lot of head nods through all the leadership team. I'm, I only have about 10 boxes up on my screen. And almost everybody is either smiling, nodding, kind of high-fiving each other if they're a couple. Uh, thank you, Ron and Leanne, for your, your, uh, your, your at least figurative high-five. I see it over there in Wisconsin. Appreciate you guys joining us. And so, But when folks are not doing the work, but they still show up to class expecting to be fed, it, it, it can get frustrating for a leader. And I think that calling it out generally is something that, that is pretty effective in the beginning. But there, there can't be a fear to, to talk to them individually about that and say, look, this is most effective when you actually do the work, when you personally invest in your own recovery and you're not thinking about everybody else, you're not worried about everybody else, you're not worried about the person that loves you that you want to, to repair that relationship with. Um, but when you personally invest in that work, it can make all the difference in the world. The community just changes. You're able to truly flourish in that community. You can glean a lot of wisdom from other people so you don't have to step in the same muck that they just did and are trying to claw out of their shoes. So, you know, imbuing them with that sense of, I need to do this myself. I can't rely on someone else to do the work for me. I, I know that's kind of anti-addict behavior. It's kind of anti-stronghold behavior, but that's what we're here for. And sometimes that's that beautiful love that we need to relate to folks uh, in terms of them not doing the work. I would suggest for some folks that if you feel compelled as a leader that you have to answer all the texts within a certain amount of time, or you have to answer the emails or the calls, or you have to be constantly available to people, take a breath. Mm-hmm. Take a breath. Give, give them something in, in, the, in the service industry. We call it uh, an SLA. It's a service level agreement. I'll get back to you within 24 hours. Um, I'll give you a business day. Um, but a lot of times, if we can reduce that that sense of immediacy from someone who may be struggling with a stronghold, uh, especially as it pertains to our relationship with them as a leader, then I think it gives them a lot more space to make great decisions and to really dig into it themselves to help them try and figure it out. Um, there's nothing quite like you know discovery for someone who's going through something like this. Yeah. And, and Troy, I, I like this question because it is something that happens quite often when people show up and don't do the work and they don't share. And what we naturally do as leaders is we try to fill the gap. Well, if they're not prepared, then we need to pr- share all our answers and we need to, to help them or teach the content or fill that gap. 
my, my challenge is what's wrong with a gap. If that's what they want to create an awkward space and awkward silence, then that's okay. I mean, that is their choice to, to, um, not come prepared, not come, um, with answers. And, but I, I struggle with that because I want everything to be smooth and I want there to be, um, you know, I don't want that uncomfortable space. And there's been many times we've been in groups and Lamar's had to help me with this where he, like, if we're in a virtual group, he'll put his hand on my leg, like, don't talk, just <laughs> gently telling me it's okay for silence. And 15 seconds of silence might sound like eternity, but sometimes it's the silence where people hear the most. And that's where they might get the courage to speak up and to share and to participate. Um, so it's not our job to fill in the recovery and to make the meetings run perfect and seamless and smooth. If they choose not to show up, then maybe that week it's a short lesson if they're not doing the work. It's not, you're not beholden to, well, I got to give them an hour of content. This is what they're paying for. This is, no, if, if, if they're not, if they're not participating, they're not participating. Um, and that's hard. That's hard not to be, to feed into that codependent, like I got to, I got to be everything to everyone and give them what they need. All right, what do we have here, honey? We have. Well, our I, I want to call attention to first off, uh, it's it's not off topic because we did mention it earlier, but uh, Cliff, thank you so much for dropping that in there about legacy, about you, and uh, I believe it's you and your wife are going to start a legacy class here coming up. Nice. Um, we don't have that many legacy leaders that we're aware of at this point. And so to, to see that kind of inspires us all. Um, we'd love to hear next month about your experiences there. You'll probably be about done with it at that point. Um, so thank you so much. Um, but I really want to go here um, about what Joe said. Mm. And this is so true. As, as you pour into this sense of team, you know, using a word like team, using a word like um, men or Hey, uh, gang, or, or whenever we can, can kind of use that that positive collective emotion with folks, um, and to let them understand that you actually help the group more when you do the work, because now you're able to inject your wisdom into the rest of the group, and maybe somebody can avoid something later on down the line for themselves if you are able to talk about what you've been through, and as you as you give them that sense of community, you give them that sense of I guess, empowerment that their experiences and what God's done in their life can, can really affect somebody else in such a positive way. It can change everything about somebody's dynamic with the group. Um, too many times you see guys that have so much they can offer, but they're unwilling because they just don't want to talk or they, they don't want everybody to know anything about them. Maybe they're still protecting a secret. So having that sense in the group where they can actually be open about it. And Austin brought it up a little bit earlier. I really, really appreciate what he said. When, when folks don't feel ashamed, when they can have that, that sense of, okay, I can bring this to the group. I'm not going to get judged. You know, nobody's going to look at me and, and say, well, I would never do that. Um, then they're, they're more likely to bring that out. And so creating that safe space is great. It doesn't mean we have to allow guys to continue to come back week after week and say, yep, I screwed it up last week and, I, and, I'm, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to screw it up again this week. Uh, I know there's been a couple of, couple of instances where guys have, have actually called some other leaders and said, I'm, I'm going to go out and I'm, I'm probably going to have an affair this week or I'm, I'm going to have another episode. Or I'm going to go see one of my old affair partners. That's not what we're talking about. 
We're talking about when people screw it up, and they will, having a safe spot there. And that is what lets people you know, say the things they need to say to get real and then to help the rest of the group. Um, but doing the homework is paramount to that. that that's the mechanism. That, that's how they, they get that out. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, hey, Lamar, can I? Can I can, so really, this is what I was getting at, is that I've got a couple of guys in my group who are struggling. I don't think they realize that we as leaders can tell that they're not actually watching the videos. And so the question is, you know, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, and it looks like Brian has probably done this one-on-one, -on -one, not in the whole group, but, you know, do you, do you say to them, hey, you know, you're participating when we're in a group, but I can tell that on, at home on your own, you're not even watching the videos. You know, maybe that's why you're struggling so much. Yeah, it, I'm a big believer in doing that in the one-on-one -on -one environment. Um, there, there's no real reason necessarily to, to embarrass people individually. Uh, there's a, I don't think there's anything wrong with embarrassing the group writ large. Um, I'm, I'm doing an in-person group right now up at the church, and I'm not able to see where these guys are actually doing the work. Now, a couple of them don't have computer access, so uh, they're passing around old DVDs. But there, there's more than one person you know, in my group that right now they're, they're just not, they're not getting online at all. Um, here I've got a little extra advantage. I can see the last time people even logged in. So it's a little bit different uh, here at the mothership, but I am all about calling folks out and saying, hey, listen, I, I, I want you to get more out of this. I want you to achieve some true healing. Right now, I'm just not seeing your, your, your work as, as popping into you know, the, the soul refiner ecosystem. So maybe you're doing it outside of this, but I'd love to, to work with you and let's and let share uh, some of these answers. Let's share some of this, some of this profit sharing on, on how we're going to get better together and how you're going to help the group because and when you give them that, again that sense of duty hey may, maybe you're a future leader or you're an integral piece of this group and we desperately need to hear more from you i think that's a great way to do it fantastic and and guys please feel free raise your hands or chime in this is beauty about being in a small group like this we definitely want to hear from you um, what you have done, uh, what you do when you face these situations. Uh, I see Micah. Yeah, I was, I was typing it, but it's a lot. You know, after my first group, I ran into some of that where, again, you can see who's doing it and not doing it. A lot of times you can tell in the group because they come unprepared. They don't know some of the answers of the topics. But after that first group, I lay it out up front and I say, look, I have access. I can see what you're doing or not doing. Um, I can only see your answers if you're sharing them, but I'll still know what your progress is. And that way it's not a secret and they at least have that level of accountability walking in. Um, as groups progress, if there's only one or two out of say a group of 10 that really aren't keeping up, uh, I can deal with that privately. Or sometimes you just have to know that not everyone in your group's gonna get it. Unfortunately, the probably the, the rate of capture is you know, 30 or 40% on average, and hopefully it's better than that, but that, that's the reality, right? Because we all kind of go through our own process. And for some of us, it takes two, three, four times to get through this stuff. So um, I have to be honest with myself about that as well, that I know that if I have 10 guys in the group, three are really going to get it, two or three are going to be somewhere in between, and two or three are going to be on the edge. Um, um, but then beyond that, if it's, if it's a you know, 10 group, 10 people in the group and five aren't watching videos, five aren't doing the workbooks. 
then, then it becomes conversation within the group because now it's a group conversation. Hey guys, this is more valuable if, hey, this is really going to help if, here's why, here's what you're going to get from it. Um, and, and then as a last resort, I, I pay more attention to the ones that are paying attention. So if there's 10 of you in the group and only five are participating, I'm speaking to the five that are involved and invested. Um, because the other five are wasting their time. They're wasting the rest of the group's time. Um, and at the end of the day, if they're not invested in the program, they're not going to get what they need from it. So I try to keep them as long as I can. But again, I'm not going to feed into their need for validation by simply being there and speaking out of turn when, when they don't have or when they're, when they're not doing the work. And that's especially for the Conquer series. I think for Stronger Together, it's a little bit different when it's husband, wife teams and you have some some mixed dynamics and sometimes one partner or the other is not fully on board. I'll put more time into trying to get them into it. But when it comes to the Conquer series and the men, if you're there to do the work, let's do the work. And if you're not, you're welcome to participate as long as you're not detracting. Yeah, I think that's the key there, Micah, is, is that a group is it's sacred. It's special. I mean, this is a place where people are coming and sharing the most vulnerable details of their life in a safe place. And if I'm pouring my heart out and then the person next to me is sitting there on their phone and they're not participating and they're not doing the work, I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel cheated. I'm going to feel like this person isn't in it. And why am I sharing my life and my, you know, intimate details of my life and they're not willing to do anything. And so it does breach the the group dynamic. It does hurt the group dynamic uh, when people don't participate and when they don't do the work. And sometimes that's, you're not just hurting yourself, you're hurting the group. And maybe you're not ready for group. Group is not for everyone. It is an essential step but people might not be ready for it in this particular season. It is necessary. It is, I mean, to be completely free, you need the, the, the community. I believe God gifted us with one another to help each other and to keep him in the center of our healing and for that accountability. But sometimes people need one-on-one hand-holding spoon-fed attention that that might not be what our calling is to be able to give to them. And we need to refer them out. Yep. This is a great conversation. Mike, I see your hand up. I'm going to get to you in about 30 seconds, but I just want to call this out. We talk a lot about the prodigal son mentality. I, I love to think of it as the prodigal family. Um, with, for those folks that may be doing the work that are looking at some of the folks that aren't doing the work and kind of thinking like, oh my goodness, they're skating by. And you know, I, I never want to be the prodigal brother. And I find myself getting there so easily sometimes and becoming frustrated. And I think that is where it's so important for us as leaders to keep that focus on, listen, this is about your personal recovery. Yes, the group dynamic is powerful. Community is incredible. But if you personally aren't doing the work and you have a lack of tolerance for folks that either aren't doing the work themselves or can't do as much work as you, it's a problem. Okay, so we focus on ourselves. We look at what God is talking to us through the curriculum and us through the community and us through the group. Um, we, we lay the other folks at the feet of the cross, just like our issues. So, Mike, what is it you had to say, good sir? Well, I, I agree with Micah, and, and what I've come across is that um, we, we almost run an ongoing conquer group uh, in that I'll get a group started that's had a lot of advertising. You should, hopefully you get everybody that wants to be involved there the first night. But frequently I have people come in two to three weeks later saying, I need to get into this group. 
And rather than shut the door on and say, hey, wait until the next one starts, I'll ask the group if they're okay with someone coming in on a uh, exploratory situation, if you will. I'll have an interview or set down an interview with that individual and make sure that they know that this is a working group. This isn't something where it's just a Bible study and you come and observe and, and you know go home and feel warmed and fed and all that kind of stuff. Um, so they'll have a night or two where they can come and enjoy the dynamics and understand what the group is. But then once that happens, they need to fully understand that this is a trust building situation where if you're uh, like Christina was saying, if you're not going to matriculate, you're not going to get involved in the work and do the work, then you're not going to be able to build trust with the rest of the group members. You're going to seem insincere or disingenuous about what your motive is for being there. And I think when you when you speak to somebody in that vein, they respond one of two ways. They either say, well, this isn't for me and take off or they're going to dig in and start doing the work and be and start disciplining their lives which ultimately is what you're looking for. And then there's the other guy that comes up and he says, you know, I'm, I've been sober for four years. I don't really need this group, but I need to know what you're, what's going on here. And the same rule applies. You can sit here and involve yourself, but do the work and mm -hmm. show that you're able to get your hands into it, just like it's actually going through a real hard time in their lives. So that's kind of, kind of where we go with it. I, I love the upfront. I love being, I, that's communication is kind, clear is kind. And that that's wonderful that you have that conversation, Mike. You're right. This recovery is different than a Bible study. Recovery is different than a life group. It has to look different. Um, in order to be effective, it has to look, look different. It's not coming and just sitting in an audience. You are a family. You are a team. And that is our job as the leaders is to, um, to build that and to, um, to nourish that and to protect that for the good of the group. And it goes a long way when people see you stepping up for the good of your group. When you say, make an announcement at the beginning of the class, like uh, Lamar, you were saying that um, you, you might address the issue as a whole and not specifically call out anyone, but you know, being able to say at the beginning of a group, hey, I noticed a lot of people miss being able to watch the videos this week. So um, let's talk about that. You know, what, what's getting in the way of making recovery the most important thing in your life? Let's just start there tonight and, and just opening up. I mean, it's okay to, to go a different direction than what you think your group is going to be talking about, but maybe starting up what, what's interfering, what's got our attention, what, what is distracting us? Why are we not making recovery uh, the first thing? And why are we then coming and complaining that it's not working? You know, so let's have this open conversation. I, I think that's good. I think it, it's good to be clear. It's good to be kind and pulling people aside, Mike, like that and having that one-on-one -on -one so they know what the expectations are. So they're not surprised coming in and everybody's sharing intimate details of their life. And they thought they were going to just be able to sit in an audience and, and watch. And so I see Venkat raising his hand. I'd love to hear from you, sir. Uh, yeah, I... I I think everything that everyone shared, I wanted to also share the use of scripture in discipline. Mm -hmm. yes. um, because that is a really, I mean, I know even in from my, my own life, uh, I'm not leading a group but uh, here, but in my church, as a leader, you can have form a codependency between you and um, you and the leader above and you and people uh, uh, that you're working with. And, you know, the heart of it is you anchoring yourself in the word. And I wanted to just share a few scriptures and that, you know, along those lines, because you, 
at the end of the day, scripture is to correct us as well and yeah. to everyone in the group. And you kind of set that foundation. I'll mm -hmm. share a few. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, reproof, and correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Um, there's also other scriptures that talk about study to show yourself approved. And I think in one of the last sessions, Lamar, you, you cited in Proverbs 5, you know, about don't go near her door, <laughs> you know. And uh, I really liked after that scripture, it, you know, it, it said that, you know, don't go near her door. But it talks about also, if I hated discipline, and then it says in 14, I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. So part of even, you know, that's an instrument that God uses in terms of correction and discipline for the individuals. And now, you know, as leaders, you know, our dependency comes from the Lord as to, because we won't know everything. Everything will be really, there's going to be a great degrees of uncertainty, but, you know, our anchoring is still to Christ. And until you get a word, something God speaks to your heart and, you know, you're not even sure but still keep getting that anchoring in scripture. So anyway, that was something that, you know, I wanted to share. I think that's beautiful, Vinkai. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that. I, I, as leaders, if you don't have a pocket full, a handful, you know, four to five of your, your anchor scriptures, okay, I, I really uh, would love for you to grab some of those and just kind of keep those in your back pocket as a North Star because what's going to happen is somebody is going to be able to come up with something in the Bible, some kind of interpretation, some kind of commentator is going to have come up with something. I mean, we have big mega church pastors out there who tout the fact openly that them and their wives have agreed for them to be able to masturbate. There are things that are out there like that. And if we don't have some of that scripture behind us and what we're going for, then we're going to be lost and we're going to have those moments where we don't know. And that's another piece about the vulnerability of leadership is being able to say at times, look, I, I'm not sure on that. And just have an understanding that, but I'm going to use my, my neon sign pointing back to Jesus and the finished work of the cross. So I'm going to anchor there, you know, allow me some time to get some research behind this. And then let's go out and fi figure out this answer together. Because you're going to be faced with stuff throughout this. And if you don't have some scripture behind it, we can't allow our emotions and our feelings to overwhelm us. And above all else, our hearts are wicked. Thank you, Jeremiah. So. Love it, love it. Well, sweetie, we have Greg wrote, um, I'm having concerns about guys wanting to vomit their confession and one big revelation in a group meeting. How to step in and encourage them to reveal what is appropriate for the audience and to actually own what they are saying. And you've run into this situation as well, where men will over um, confess or go into great detail, and it can be triggering to other men, the details that they go into. Um, how do you handle that kind of situation? I'd love to have guys step up here. That there, yeah. There's some men in the audience that have been with me in groups. Um, <laughs> That, that we've experienced oversharing kind of together. And, and, it's, and it's been somewhat traumatizing for some of the, the younger guys in the groups that, that really, they, they didn't struggle in the same vein as the individual that was you know, oversharing. Um, I, I think that we have to be ready, especially in virtual groups to put a stop to it. Um, don't be afraid to mute somebody if you need to. If, if you see this going sideways, if you see it going off the rails, um, don't be afraid to do that. 
it, it is kind of a, a last option, but it is something I believe that we should have in your back pocket as a leader. Um, again, and, and being able to talk to the guy, hey, listen, that, that's a little too much for the group. We're trying to keep this at about a PG-11, <laughs> maybe not even a PG-13 <laughs> level. Uh, details, they, they become more of a curiosity for some guys. Uh, they're just not that effective. Every guy struggles a little bit different. Don't get me wrong. We're all about 90, 95% similar, but everybody has their, their, their faction, their template, if you will. And so we, we don't necessarily need to know about what that is for each individual person. And we certainly don't need to know about how many times you might've seen that last Friday night as you walked in downtown, you know, city X. So I think just being able to step in immediately and talk to that is very important having that kind of open environment. You don't have to make guys feel judged or shamed, but it's just something that's not effective for the whole recovery for the rest of the group. If they want to share that kind of stuff with you as a leader, or they want to share that kind of stuff with one of their, their close confidants that's inside the group, hey, that's fine. But in terms of the whole group, that's not something that, that's going to be a, a, a starter. Uh, can I ask a question to the ladies, Tracy and Esther, I see you guys there. And um, I would love to know your thoughts when you're working with women and it's, we don't necessarily have uh, like disclosure, like the men do, but we do have women that will start vomiting about their husbands and bashing their relationship with their husband or bad mouthing. He did this, he did that. What are some ways that you have been able to handle that or have you, in, you know, encountered that? What do you do? Tracy, do you mind me putting you on the spot, dear? Yeah, I was just looking for my unmute button. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I think sometimes it, I, it depends on the situation, but what I am doing is I'm just listening and I let them get it out. I feel like sometimes they just need to get it out. And then I go back to them and then I try to help them to decipher what is emotion and then what is truth and to always point them back to truth. And then anytime um, that when we kind of have some facts, you know, I think it's exactly what was said earlier. It's just giving them scripture um, and knowing like, what, what are you doing? Like in that moment, like, are you glorifying God? You know, are your actions, are your words glorifying to God? The way that you're talking about your husband, is that glorifying to God? And there's, there, there's that line where there are facts and then there's emotion that is now degrading, or you're using words that are not glorifying. So I think there's that, it's just teaching them to be able to state facts and still honor um, um, versus um, just kind of, you know, like some of these are just vomiting it out. They're just trying to get it out. Um, so that's kind of what I do, but love to hear from the other women. Yeah, Rachel, have you had an experience with that and in, in working with women? It's just um, how do you prevent them from um, from vomiting? How do you um, like I love what you said, Tracy, it, it, it is. We do have to separate the, the truth from the emotions. But there's also the rotten egg effect or the rotten apple effect. When you have one woman start, it's very natural that it starts. Well, you think your husband's bad. Wait till you hear oh, this. And yeah, I am I'm saying that from a one on one. I do not allow it to happen in a group. Yeah. That was a great yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that is, I am so protective of my women. And I say that I usually cut it off really quickly um, when I see it going south, when it's becoming a vomit fest or a husband bashing session, I end it because I know it's triggering. I think someone just said that, Bart, you just said that, that it can be triggering to others. Um, and so, you know, one woman's going to get triggered and she's going to want to tell her story. And then it's just, it's not healthy um, trying to figure out whose husband is the worst husband. Uh, but Rachel, have you experienced that in group dynamics with women? I'll be honest and say I haven't. I've only really been involved in one women's group and I thank the leader very much for keeping control of that. So no, I, I haven't even heard it to be honest. But good to be just eyes wide open about it because that can introduce a very toxic situation quickly. For sure. For sure. Well, so, I, just, I, ha I have something, I just had something happen to me. I experienced this last night and uh, I'm just reflecting on it right now. I was in this situation. We had a little group meeting and uh, we had a wonderful time, but it did start going in the direction of, um, being very negative, being very negative. And um, what it just came to me, the Lord, I, I just started sharing my personal experience in relationship, in relation to what was being shared. And um, it just wonderfully uh, switched the, um, oh, what would you say? The, the environment, it, it just, it became something of uh, instead of just looking at the negative side of things, of just being able to identify with someone's personal experience. So I, I, I just think for me, stepping out, I just felt like I should do that. And I shared my experience, my personal experience with what she was trying to um, just having a hard time with something. And uh, anyway, that's what I did last night. And it it just changed the whole atmosphere and it made it a very uh, encouraging, positive ending to that whole discussion. That's perfect. I'd like to, I'd like to jump in really quickly. Uh, it's just a technique uh, that, that I picked up here recently and I, and I want to share it with everybody if possible. And, and listen, it's not the panacea for all these issues, but it is something whenever you start to have uh, maybe a group dynamic or an individual that might be going off the rails and they might be starting to flood a little bit verbally and they're just kind of vomiting or letting it all out, um, especially about their spouse. Whenever we anchor there, I believe that what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, I don't believe that you are enough to help this situation. Lord, I, I, I think that that person is forever fractured. This is always going to be broken. The bitterness will always stay with me. And that you don't have that supernatural healing power that I can't possibly do for myself. It's either that or I don't recognize the identity that you have given me and what you did on the cross. And whenever we can kind of look at it from that angle and we can take it, take the pain off of ourselves and put it right exactly back on the point where Christ intended it for it to go, then I, I think it can change everything. When we can say, Lord, you went to the cross for that person and for what they did and the pain that they caused me, it can change everything. Um, too many times, you know, in, in our men's recovery groups, we wind up, well, you don't know about my wife. You don't know how bad it is with my wife. She still holds it over my head. But we're not talking about your wife. We're talking about you. 
And as long as we anchor on your wife, we are taken away from the finished work of the cross. And I think it's a dangerous position for us to be in uh, as folks in a group that are, that are trying to focus on recovery, trying to focus on the way ahead. I'm all about validating and acknowledging what's happened to people. I don't think we should shy away from that, nor do I think we should ever shy away from the redeeming nature of our Savior. And, and I think as we go back to that and we hit the scriptures again that lead us in that direction, that's what can really change hearts. And, and being able to address that kind of stuff with love, but also with a nonstop you know, direction. I love that, Lamar. Very powerful. So any other insight team or questions or comments or, or things that uh, you might be able to provide to help the group in dynamics like this? Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, I have one thing in, in, in talking with my counselor uh, just this last week on, on my leadership role and having, having a guy in the group that was just uh, fighting it, you know, continually. Uh, it was there only because he had to be, and and my counselor just gave three three words that really were uh, impressed me. He said, "Just offer experience, offer hope, and offer strength." Mm. That's all he said, and I thought that was so valuable. <laughs> There's more gold to what you just said, Ron, than you realize. I mean, not only is that valuable, the words that he gave you, but the whole concept that you have a counselor that you're going to, to get advice for your leadership, to get feedback for your leadership. Let me encourage all of you to have that. You need to have some place you can debrief, not just in what's going on in the groups, but what's going on in you too, because you need to do a self-evaluation on a regular basis. Is this feeding you in an unhealthy way? Are you becoming addicted to the relationships in your own group and to the need to be needed? Um, are you uh, helping establish healthy interdependent uh, relationships with the members of your group? Or are you establishing an unhealthy codependence where they're reliant on you for their help? Are you working harder than they are for their own recovery? That's a question I have to step back because I lose countless hours of sleep wondering, did I do enough? Did I say enough? Do I need to reach out? Do I need to do more? And, and God has to, to settle my soul and just have me take a knee sometimes and just say, could you let me be God? You know, don't, don't interfere with what I need to do here because we can, we can get in the way and we can do more work than they can for their own recovery. So it's important to have that wisdom, Ron, uh, to have an outsider, maybe someone that isn't in the group, someone that is in the group, either way, but to be able to debrief and just do that self-check-in to see, you know, how are you doing with your leadership and to get those pearls of wisdom. I want to specifically recognize Mike again. Um, he's got his hand up and it's just, it's just refreshing to see that point of order, you know, through such a kind of a wild west kind of meeting and everything. So thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate that. You know. <laughs> change that hand to a yeah, star. I'm not that disciplined. I, I, I barge in frequently. But, um, I wanted to say that I think um, as it relates to people spilling their guts in the middle of a session with great detail, I think in my own experience, I've found that to be diminished somewhat. If I make a personal meeting with each one of the people that are going to be in the group and give them a chance to tell me their story. And in a lot of instances, they're coming off of a really hard exposure 
where there's a lot of shame and guilt, and maybe they're feeling compelled that they have to be in group in order to save their marriage, quote unquote. Uh, and, and in that moment, they want to give it all out and they feel a relief from doing it. And I, I actually want to encourage that, but that's the time when I also set a boundary for the group that you, uh, group leaders have to work hard to do that. And it's not, it's not just a matter of turning on the, the, vid the video and monitoring the discussion. You actually have to set those boundaries. And I, I noticed, I think it was Bart that said, do that at the, at the first session. Let them know that this is not a time for you to do your disclosure just because you've got the floor. But uh, in time, you'll come to a place where you can do that in a way that's healthy. And I think you always you point toward that and uh, and keep driving toward that so that they they learn to have a boundary on what they talk to and who they talk to about it and uh, and not feel like they can just automatically spill their entire detailed account of their of their sexual behavior uh, with anybody that comes across their path. That's awesome, Mike. Thank you. And I think it's so important setting that that precedence up front. You know, setting the kind of the, the the ROE, you know, to coin old military term, the rules of engagement, you know, here, here's how this is going to go. And, and I think that when we get everybody level set like that, it's so, so strong, so powerful. Austin, thank you, man. I see hand raises going up all around. This is just wonderful. Yeah. So I, I like that, Mike. And I was kind of thinking about that with, with what people might bring into the room. It takes a lot of extra time from a leadership standpoint, but I, I make it a point to have it at least an hour with the person before they get to the room. And I typically know what's going to come to the room for what, for what their story is. Now, of course, there's always more, but um, I can almost kind of have in my head, how might I facilitate this as, as these stories might collide in the room. And then it, it just gives me a little bit of insight to help facilitate that better when it does come up. Um, and I've only had one time where oversharing caused somebody to, to leave. Um, and, and this individual, I mean, there's a tons of issues that, that were at play there. Um, so I would say that was a pretty isolated case, but, um, I would just echo that, that getting to know people's stories ahead of time, it just helps diffuse what they might vomit in the room when they get there. Cause they've already got it out there at least one time with one other human. I, I think there's a ton of wisdom there, Austin, in vetting people. And that's where it also helps to have a co-leader. So you don't have to bear that weight yourself to have someone you trust, a trusty agent to help be a co-leader um, of the group to help with that vetting process. You can have more than one person. You know, you can if you have someone you trusted that can can vet somebody else, I think that's important before you bring them into a very intimate group like setting like this. Very wise. All right, any other questions, comments, concerns? Well, as you guys, uh, as we go ahead and begin our closing ritual, um, please be thinking about future sessions. Please be thinking about what are some of the topics you'd love to cover. Uh, we are all about you know, answering the mail for our leaders. Um, please also remember you know, some of the stuff that we've already covered. Uh, go back, take a look. Um, if you've forgotten about some of the old archive videos, uh, take a look at those. There, there's just a ton of information there. A lot of different voices uh, have been injected in, in, into our leader forums, and that's exactly what we want. Now, the more folks that we can have with the greater you know, breadth of experience, the better off that we're all going to be. So um, just to call out a couple little uh, housekeeping points. Uh, next meeting, 
I believe that for, for leadership, that's going to be November the 4th. That's on the Friday. I, I think that is four weeks from today. So we'll make sure that we uh, re-engage then. Uh, our other meetings, we have the Men's Mission Brief and the Ladies Sanctuary meeting coming up next Friday. That's 10 a.m. Eastern for the ladies. That is 1 p.m. Eastern for the men. Um, we're going to be talking about part two on forgiveness. Super stoked about this. Uh, this is going to be a lot more about forgiving of yourself and then some more of the uh, nuanced, advanced pieces of forgiveness as you go through and repair relationships. Uh, it's it's going to be another barn burner. Um, I think we barely scratched the surface last time, and, and it was it was chock full of just great information, both from the ladies' standpoint. And then, of course, our, our man Micah just brought it for the guys. So uh, before yeah, we get I close, Christina, anything else here? Absolutely. I'd love for you guys to, um, gentlemen, invite your wives or significant others to watch um, part one that we did last week. Um, forgiveness is one of the most sensitive topics for women to talk about. It's very, very, very difficult. Um, and we're walking on very, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's just hard. It's, it's just a very, very difficult um, conversation to have, but we're going to be speaking truth. We're going to be speaking scripture uh, and the importance of why Jesus calls us to forgive and what that looks like, how it's different than actually trusting. Uh, forgiving and trusting are two different things. And it's a, it's a very valuable lesson because a lot of men feel like, well, you have to forgive me and we're never going to talk about it again. And I don't have to do anything to make you feel safe. It's very different than, well, yes, I can forgive you, but that doesn't mean I trust you. That's something that has to be earned back. So we're going to be having that conversation. And most important thing, we're going to be talking about tangible steps that men and women can take. So these are things that the people in your group need to hear. Um, these are things that both men and women can hear. So this is another gift you can give the members of your group by saying, hey, this is a free webinar. Come participate, invite your wife. What's that next step look like for you to get her involved in the recovery and doing recovery together? Um, it's, it's a perfect step to take. So, you know, tough conversation to have, but we're going to, to speak it in truth and love. Okay, any save rounds, second nickels, uh, any any of the other old terminology about about matters that maybe somebody uh, had had slipped their mind that they still wanted to discuss before we go ahead and close in a word of prayer? Here's your 15 seconds of uh, of silence. Uh, I just wanted to thank what Micah shared a few weeks ago um, when he had the floor. It really had helped me with regards to owning. I mean, I'm not from a sex addiction perspective, but in a relational codependency and even just my own emotional and mental health recovery about, you know, you own what you do. You can't own the other person's responses, but nevertheless, your your ownership is really before the Lord. I just wanted to thank that, uh, Micah for that. Yeah, I encourage people to go back and listen to that last week. Micah did a fantastic job speaking with Lamar. Um, so um, so you can hear um, what Ben Cat is referring to. I encourage you to, to watch that before next week's part two. All right, T. Esther, I have to thank you for bringing your beautiful daughter. I mean, I just, oh my goodness, she is just so stinking cute. If you got, I know, everyone waved to her. Hello, hello, sweetie. She's, both of them are there. I see two beautiful little ones peeping their heads in. It's so good to see them with you. All right, team. Lamar, you pray this out? Go ahead, hon. 
Oh, no, it's just asking if you're ready to close out, Ben. Absolutely. So, Lord, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for these, these incredible leaders. Uh, thank you for letting us be a part of their lives. And, and thank you for them being such uh, heavily influencing ours. Um, God, we, we love you so much. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. We thank you for uh, the recovery from just some of the wreckage that, that we've done to ourselves um, or that has been inflicted on us. And so, Lord, because of that, we respond to you and, and, and we, we hand this back over to you. Um, we don't try and smuggle it back away from the foot of the cross. We, we leave it there with you. And then we ask if we can help somebody else that might be going through something similar. Um, as we point back to you, God, um, we ask that we continuously do that. We continue to surrender, to submit to your will and not our own. We, don't, we ask that we never get infatuated with our own need uh, by the group and with our own need by an individual, um, that we just continuously point back to you, Lord. So in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I just want to leave everybody with a note to feel encouraged. This is good news. This is good news. There's so much freedom in being able to let go of the outcome, to let go of everybody else's recovery, and to just be that willing vessel that God's called you to be. So go be that willing vessel and just surrender it and point everything back to the foot of the cross. Bottom line. Love y'all. Have a great month.